Hello there, I'm Patrick Struth, trusted authority in executive and transactional liability and president of Rubicon M&A Insurance Services. Now a proud member of the Liberty Company Insurance Broker Network. Welcome to M&A Masters, where I speak with the leading experts in mergers and acquisitions. And we're all about one thing here, that's a clean exit for owners, founders, and their investors. Today, I'm joined by Patrick Turner, Managing Director of VSS Capital Partners. Since 1987, VSS has partnered with lower middle market companies, working closely with management teams, providing flexible capital solutions to drive growth. Patrick, it's great to have you. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much. Delighted to be here. And as you started back in 1987, there were a lot fewer private equity firms than there are today. So uh, it's great to uh, have our audience learn about the story of you and VSS. Before we get into VSS, though, let's start with you. What brought you to this point in your career? Well, first of all, I'd like to say, um, I think I mentioned that yesterday, Patrick, is that I'm English, you can hear, but I've lived in the States for over 40 years. Um, kept my accent because I worked at Barclays for seven years. Uh, but essentially, I've grown up in the credit markets uh, my whole life. I started in Bankers Trust, um, as I said, went to Barclays, and then we spun out, raised our own MES fund, very similar to, to VSS, small cap, mid-market, uh, but generally sponsor-oriented versus non-sponsored. Um, and then we were uh, we merged into Trust Company of the West in 05. I ran the New York office for them, and it was a much bigger entity, ran lots of different strategies, uh, and then left in 2012. I ended up with Jeff because it was very similar. These VSSs, uh, uh, what he was pivoting to, was very similar to what I'd created at, uh, with my good friend Nick Dunphy at Canterbury Capital. And actually, Jeff had been an investor, so he saw what we were doing, and and it matched very much uh, alongside what uh, I always enjoyed doing, which was, as you say, the middle market, which I find far more rewarding uh, in many, many regards. Uh, big cap tends to be a little bit more high yield oriented on the credit markets. In other words, more superficial. And uh, middle market, lower middle market, you get very involved in these companies and it becomes very fulfilling when you can take them to a different level. Great. And with... Uh, VSS, again, starting in the earlier days of private equity, uh, you know, I, you've seen a whole uh, change in this entire industry. So tell us a little about VSS, because I can tell at least, you know, start with the name, because unlike law firms, you didn't name it after yourself. It's not Turner Capital. So uh, tell us about VSS. Well, it's a, it's a good story, but actually, funny enough, it is named uh, uh, indirectly um, to, to the founders. So it was founded in 1981 by two gentlemen, John Sula, John Veronis, both senior execs at um, media companies, um, very senior. And they decided to start their own boutique investment banking firm because there really wasn't such a thing as the narrow focus that, uh, well, now every single bank has, you know, narrow focuses in, in terms of departments, but not someone specifically focused on, on media. So they did that. And then in 1981, the, the, the first hire was a guy called Jeff Stevenson. So you get the VSS, Verona Sula Stevenson. And that's what it was called for many years. and was known very much uh, as the media go-to investment bank slash buyout firm. Uh, and then Jeff uh, raised his fourth buyout fund in 2005 focused on media, but as we all know, media changed dramatically during the early 2000s with the internet, clearly, and also the fact that most media companies, big ones, certainly had already been consolidated. 
So the, so the origins of their buyout side was really to do lots of small add-on acquisitions, uh, hence your comment about the 400, to build them into a much larger entity. And it was very successful, but as the market changed, so did uh, uh, Verona Sula change. And the two principals left in the uh, mid-80s, 2000s, rather 2008, 2009, and Jeff pivoted the firm towards uh, really what it is today, which is structured capital, which is essentially providing minority capital to entrepreneurs. So very similar to my mezzanine strategy, but we were focused on sponsors. Uh, at VSS, we're focused on actually giving capital to entrepreneurs. It's a, it's a very interesting sector because it's typically compared to growth capital. Okay. Both growth capital players are looking for companies that are growing at 30 40%. And we aren't. We're looking at the more 10 to 15% growth where we can do a hybrid structure of some debt and some equity, which reduces the dilution to the owner uh, and, uh, and, and then hopefully get involved with them to take them to a different level. And what we say is inst- institutionalize those businesses. Okay. And so unlike some other organizations out there, you're dealing with owners and founders who aren't looking for an exit. They're looking to get to the next level. I find this is ideal because there are a lot of the larger institutions that people don't know about VSS capital. What happens is they're at a point where they're too big to be small, but they're too small to be enterprise. And so where do they go to get to that next level? And unfortunately, if they don't learn about organizations like yours, they may default to you know an institution um, and, and, you know, the brand names and so forth, which will underserve them, but overcharge them. And, you know, or they've got to default and go to a strategic and, you know, the strategic is going to want majority. And that's not in their interest. So this is great because you're looking for this, but it's more patient. You're not a family office. It sounds like you're not looking for that robust 40 plus percent turn. So that gives a lot more uh, relaxation to these guys, I imagine. Yes, it does. And, and you, you sort of put your, um, your finger on, on, on the button there, because I think if you think about the growth of the industry, whether it be credit or, or PE, is everyone's going to bigger funds. Aren't they? They're looking for assets under management. Uh, and essentially at our fund level, which is 500, just over, we're, you know, obviously that's not our focus. Our focus is really on, on creating value within those particular companies that we invest in. So very different. And of course, when you're very large uh, as a credit fund, perhaps you really don't want to get in, involved in small companies that need lots of help. What happens if they get into trouble? Can you actually replace management? Can you add to management? Can you uh, provide some different geographic uh, or even product lines to them that help grow their companies, institutionalize them, as I say? No, they can't. So it is an interesting niche. Um, as I say, I think uh, um, the growth capital is really the complement to it, except that we're far less dilutive. So again, attractive to those who are very certain in terms of where they think they're going and they're looking for help, as I say. And then now a lot of times I'll ask, because there are 5,000 private equity firms out there in investment banks and so forth, and just, okay, how are you different from them or what do you bring? You've you've covered that uh, to the extent, is it still, largely media or where's your area of uh, industry of preference that you're looking for? No, no. So I think that's the whole, that's the whole uh, sort of key why Brona Sula doesn't exist. VSS is its replacement because there really is no media. Uh, and, and so essentially Jeff and the team pivoted away from traditional media to, um, to tech-enabled business services uh, with a particular focus on education and healthcare. 
uh, and they're also some great capabilities in human capital and managed services. So if you think about it, you know, in the early 2000s, Thomson, large newspaper company yeah. in Canada, bought Reuters. Uh, you don't really hear about Thomson anymore, but you certainly hear about Reuters. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that was the pivot and, uh, uh, and, a, and a critical one and one that's, that's been very good. And so to your point about why do people come to us? Yes, we are focused on those industries. And so we do have particular strengths within those industries, people we know, areas of expertise that we can bring to the table, uh, certainly understanding of the businesses, perhaps uh, in advance of trends that most other people would typically see later. You know, things that contribute to the creation of value to, to, to those entrepreneurs. And the entrepreneurs certainly wouldn't want to just give us money freely. They would want something in return. And so hopefully we can bring them far more than what they give to us in terms of a gain. And that has happened. And so the word's gotten out, I think. Um, certainly in certain industries, we're particularly strong in, in uh, healthcare services. The word's uh, gotten out and, and we, we get inbound calls from people wanting to help uh, us to help them. So that helps. You know, big successes help in terms of people wanting to come to you for, for assistance. Yeah, and that's nice. It's got to be easier for you than other transitions because you're not replacing management. You've got a willing uh, partner that's looking for you and they're leaning on you. You're not some outside consultant. You're embedded with them because you're investing right, right alongside them. Uh, I'm just curious if you have any case studies or uh, just an anecdote about where you were brought in and you're talking to the management team and you have an idea to share with them. Okay, let's try it this way to get you to the next level. And where you pitch the idea and you just saw light bulbs going off. I mean, that's part of the magic of this. Yes, and every deal's you know there's a different got different dynamics, but I, I do remember one particular transaction which my partner David Bainbridge was responsible for called Caravan Health. We just sold it uh, earlier this year, uh, and essentially it was a data-driven company providing data to the healthcare industry generally, hospitals particularly, and doctors to help them manage themselves through you know what's called value care, so improving their, their the quality of their care. And uh, he'd met this lady, um, I'd say probably three years before we actually did the deal. They met a conference, they chatted. She told him what they did. And, and she said, well, we're not ready for you yet, but we might well be in, at some point in the future. And, and, and so she did, she came to us. And the, essentially the, the pivot for her was that she was looking for capital to, to transform her technology. So she was using an outside platform to provide this you know, incredible data to all these hospitals and so on. Uh, and, and very unusual, by the way, in terms of what she, the niche that she had picked, and she was early. So uh, we provided 20 million to, for her, uh, which half of which was, was designated towards um, essentially starting its own technology platform, which she succeeded in doing. And so that becomes much more um, of a, a value proposition to a buyer because they own their own platform. It is particular to them, uh, obviously, all the data belongs to the company and so on and so forth. So quite valuable. And I think that enabled her to, to really transform the company from, you know, a good company to a great company. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. There's people that know what they're doing and then you got to bring in outside expertise to then, you know, get, get things implemented and come up with the ideas. So, I mean, that's, that's better than just getting capital from uh, a blind investor or VC where they just throw the money at you and say, go get them. <laughs> and you're, you're coming in with this. Now, you had mentioned, uh, we, we made a quick reference when we were talking about 400. VSS, 
has been involved in 400 add-on transactions. So you've done, I mean, that's, that's 15 to 20 a year. So, I mean, that's really, really impressive. And um, I just wanted to ask you from this perspective, because, you know, acquisitions are getting easier and they're processing a lot faster. And a real big reason for that is the uh, expansion of reps and warranties insurance, where risk is being pulled away from the parties and uh, you know, outsourced to a third party with deeper pockets. The process from beginning to end to get something put in place to get that protection in place has been automated. So it's a lot simpler, takes less, less time. And you know the track record of insurance policies actually paying claims has been excellent. And so it, we've seen this really expand the capability of, of you know, getting deals done successfully. But you know, don't take my word for it. You know, Patrick, good, bad, or indifferent, what experience have you guys had with reps and warranties insurance? Well, you know, it's so interesting because um, I was just looking at my notes, actually, when I first used it, it was in 2018, when we were actually selling a business in Holland, if you can believe. And I think it was absolutely critical to the, 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 uh, the ability of the deal to get closed. So it takes all that risk off the table. It's very fair in terms of cost. And then, of course, now we use it in every single deal. And, and it really is just, it just cuts so much time off in terms of being able to execute. And again, not that there's anything to hide or anything, obviously, um, and you're protected, I think, from that as well. But it's just, it's just such an easier way than to have escrows and then maybe fight about escrows and have an argument about escrows and so on and so forth, which is really something that unfortunately does happen. So I, I just, I, I think it's just absolutely vital that you, you use these and we use them all in, in every deal when we sell them. That's fantastic. Well, I think one of the news developments out there, and I'm glad to talk to somebody who's involved with add-ons is, you know, unlike platforms, add-ons tend to be a lot less expensive. And so they may be, if they're particularly if they're under 10 million or $20 million in enterprise value, uh, they may not be eligible for Epson warranties. Well, what's nice is there's a new program out there. It's a sell-side program and it's designed to protect the seller and replace the escrow on these sub $20 million deals. And so in the event there's a breach, buyer just comes to the seller with the demand, the seller's policy kicks in, pays the buyer straight straight up. And it's made it tremendously easy where you cut escrows down from 10% enterprise value down to 1%. And so I, I think it's ideally said, it's not good for anything over 20 million and there's a lot of stuff out there. But for those add-ons that are under 20 million, I, it, it, it's a nice solution and I'm very proud with the industry that's coming to uh, with with these evolutions and and uh, innovations. So it's been uh, very very helpful. Patrick, for our audience, what's an ideal target? Give us a profile of your of your ideal client. Right. So it's a it's a company that's that's somewhere between 20 million and 50 million in revenues. Uh, can be north of that, of course. Sure. Uh, but those are the typically the sizes where, you know, the, as I said, talked about it before, the help is really mostly required. And, and, and the help is really in multiple areas, both in terms of infrastructure, but also in terms of KPIs, in terms of, uh, of financial controls, um, succession plans, everything that you can imagine with which most companies, if you think about, have, don't, they don't have. Uh, one of our companies we did was actually a virtual company. There was no office. So um, <laughs> there is now. Um, but uh, again, it's sort of uh, what we like to see are products where 
or services rather, they're not really, they don't make anything, the companies we, we invest in, but they do provide services. And the services they provide are mission critical to the end users. So typically we'll have recurring contracts, longer term contracts and so on associated, uh, associated with them. Not always have to be, but, the, but that was sort of be the ideal candidate. And again, the capital would be mostly used for some growth, just like I explained in Caravan, for instance, that was uh, game changing for the company. Uh, and those that would be, I would say, uh, obviously US based, uh, could be anywhere in the US. And um, again, looking to really help take that company to a, a different level in terms of uh, institutional interest. Great. I mean, you, so you're not looking for commodity plays here. If you're doing mission critical services, very hard to move away from that. Right. Really hard to rip out. Well, okay. Great, great uh, selection there. Now, uh, Patrick, we're, you know, speeding through 2022, like it's almost over. It feels like, you know, um, I'm just curious, what, what trends do you see as we go through the rest of the year? Well, you know, I think that it's actually a super interesting question. And by the way, every day, I think it changes. So uh, obviously the horizon has been um, recession potential, increased interest rates, uh, increased costs, and of course supply chain issues. Uh, and let's not forget Ukraine. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's been a drop off since last year in activity. I think there was just so much activity last year. And, and so naturally there's a sort of a fall off, but it's, it's definitely picking up again. The, you know, the key drivers, of course, is there's so much capital in the market, in the particularly private equity market, that that uh, actually as these public market um, indices decline, there's probably a lot of opportunity for some of the larger PE players. But for us, I'm, I'm, seeing, um, I, I'm seeing probably more caution. Uh, I'm seeing more caution um, in terms of, uh, uh, of uh, certainly from our perspective about, you know, where the plays are. There's still an element of COVID that's out there that has makes adjustments sort of questionable going back to 2020, even 2021. So I think, I think this year is, is, I would say, is probably a year of some caution. And so, and again, not that it's the end of the world and we can all have our views about recessions, and I certainly have mine, but, but, um, but I just think in this particular environment, you, you want to be you know, super cautious. Not, but the amazing thing is, is that uh, people still need uh, capital to grow. Yes. So if the choices are limited, which I think they are, banks get a little bit squirrely in these times, in terms of uh, quality of, of, the, of the lenders. And uh, certainly where we play, we're below that level anyway. So um, it tends to be pretty a good time for us. Uh, we always say choppy markets are, are, are our friends. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think where you guys are, are situated is really ideal because there are there's one set of owners and founders where the, regardless of what's happening, time hasn't stopped and everybody's no. getting older. And those that are looking for an exit you know, that hasn't changed, but there's a growing group of these entrepreneurs that, um, you know, they don't want to get out of the game and yep. uh, you give them the ability that they can keep going and, and actually realize the dreams that they have. And, and I think that there's, there's no shortage of those companies out there, which is great because you're in, and you're in a great, great area because there's a lot more bigger buyers out there down the road. And I mean, that's as, as some of these organizations get bigger and bigger and get into the you know the 10, 10 figure range, it's hard to find a bigger buyer to, to get there. So again, I think, uh, as you say, I think um, uh, the smaller companies, the area we play in, if you don't grow, you're losing. 
Yeah. And so um, you're losing time and you may actually have more competition. So you can't stand still, irrespective of the macro environment. And I think that's, as you say, we, again, we provide some, some, you know, perspectives some positives as well, some, some structures, some additions and so on that help in any case, in any environment for these companies to weather the storm better. Patrick, for, for our audience members, how, how can they find you at VSS Capital? Okay, great. So, uh, there is a website, vss.com, but uh, you can certainly email me anytime at t-u-r-n-e-r-p at vss.com. And, uh, you know, I'd be delighted to to respond um, and hopefully find a way to do some business together. Well, Patrick Turner of VSS Capital Partners, thanks very much. These are the types organizations like yours to here to serve the lower middle market. And, and I just, your longevity in playing is a testament to your success. So thanks very much for being here today. Thank you so much for your time as well, Patrick. Look forward to dealing with you as well. 